A couple quick announcements before we get to the show. I have some performances coming up. Uh, a couple in the Austin area and a couple in the Los Angeles area, actually. On Thursday, September 30th at 4 p.m., I am going to be playing a solo one-hour performance with banjo, electronics, guitar, some singing, some computer at the Friends and Allies Brewing Company in Austin, Texas. And then in October and November, I have a few shows with my band Sap and Claw Elixir. We will be playing on October 24th at Universal Bar and Grill in North Hollywood. We're playing two sets, one at 6.30 and one at 7.30. Then on Monday, November 1st, we will be playing in Long Beach, California at Vine. And on Tuesday, November 2nd, we will be playing in West Hollywood at Bar Lubitsch. And also stay tuned for a special live stream performance we have coming out September 26th. Hello, today's guest is a friend of mine named Anna Savory, who is a violinist, composer, and music technologist. The two of us met back in 2014 when we were both working on our MFAs in Integrated Composition, Improvisation, and Technology at the University of California, Irvine. And in this conversation, we discuss where she's been since then, her work integrating technology with violin, her history as a classical and jazz performer, and what kind of work she is hoping to do expanding the violin into the technological and visual realm. But before we get to that, please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channels. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page. And if you sign up for just $1 a month on my Patreon, you get access to submitting questions or topics for me to discuss on the show, either by myself or with guests. Welcome to Music in Mind. Music in Mind. Hello, everybody. <laughs> this is Anna Savory. We, um, we met when we were both working on our master's degrees, MFAs in Integrated Composition, Improvisation, and Technology at the University of California, Irvine. Anna is a composer and violinist and arts programmer, does all sorts of cool tech stuff and improvisation and playing. So uh, how's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> That's good. I had a good night's sleep, so <laughs> nice. that always helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Uh, we've been talking a little bit recently about some of your work with uh, violin and visuals, and I remember your thesis project back at UC Irvine was uh, a lot of integration of violin and visuals. Um, so in terms of uh, the, the work that you're doing there, what, what would you say is kind of your aim at the moment? At the moment, I think... I'm just trying to improve my skills so that I can express what I want. Mm -hmm. I think when I started back at UCI, um, you know, I was learning f like from scratch and was sort of thrown into the deep end. And I remember like starting when I was learning how to use Jitter and telling my thesis chair like, well, this is what I want to happen at the end. Mm -hmm. And then like, where do I start? And like literally starting with learning how to draw a stick figure and making it move <laughs> and like feeling really overwhelmed and going like, well, I'm not going to make it like mm -hmm. in six months to have this recital. So I still kind of feel like I'm at the stage of drawing a stick figure. 
um, except like now I'm using P5.js uh-huh. as a platform. Um, so I think it's kind of just more of the same, but I probably have a little bit more skill, a little bit more programming knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's not as overwhelming and it's not as um, like I'm starting a little bit further on. Right. But it's more of the same. And I think I'm just, I know more of what I want. Mm. Just having that confidence of like, okay, well, uh, or maybe more of what I don't want. Because like I tried to do 3D stuff at UCI and I tried right. to, and I was like, well, that's not, this isn't my medium. Like I like very simple things. I mm. like um, the, like I like thematic things. Like I used Heartbeat was the main theme during my UCI recital, like mm, animating right. the heartbeat and connecting, like every piece had something to do with the, the heartbeat. And I think I really liked that idea, like so trying to actually, I spent a lot of time trying to draw a heart in P5Js, which is actually kind of difficult because you have to use like Bezier curves. Oh, wow. And um, a little bit like, there's a bit of math involved, and then I try to like animate a bird flying, which is also like using, um, mm. There's just a little bit of maths and a little bit of trying to figure out like what you're actually trying to do. But I like those kinds of animations where it's like really simple, mm-hmm. and the idea is is simple, but it can be so expressive when combined with like with music, with the right music, with um, improvisation. So I'm not trying to be like a visual artist in terms of um, you know I'm not entering that field, but I'm uh-huh. I'm using visuals as an extension of my music and right. trying to be expressive in that way. And sometimes simple is good. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I think the, the issue of expression with respect to music technology is kind of a tough one. Because I think what happens a lot as uh, musicians start getting into the tech space is a lot of their expression is sort of sapped from the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they spend so much time on the technical aspect of it. It's hard. Actually, I found that same problem when working with visuals specifically, is I had these ideas of what I wanted it to look like, and it ended up actually just detracting from both the music and the visuals. So I ended up with two mediocre products rather than (laughs) one really good product. (laughs) Was it just because it took so long to figure out how to... Um, do what you wanted to do in terms of the visuals? I think so. I think also I don't have um, as strong a a visual imagination. And so I would have a vague idea of, you know, I want shapes to do these kinds of things. But I didn't know specifically enough what I wanted. And so I ended up spending a lot of time futzing around and not really getting anywhere. I think it's hard when you don't have um, very clear guidance. Not that we didn't, but right. like it was kind of like an MFA is all about like it's about exploring, right? Right. So you're like do this somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I feel like when you're doing a course like a cadenza course, maybe it's not as uh, in depth as like a traditional um, CS course, but mm-hmm. it's very clear because you have these um, units. It's like well we're going to do this mm-hmm. and this is how you do it. You, there's obviously room for creativity. And then I think with me, it's always the same issue. Like I get really frustrated because I don't want to do, I want to do like more than what's asked and I right. don't know how to do it. And then I spend time figuring out how to do it and it's in the next unit, you know, like, like oh, I should have just, just done it <laughs> and moved on. Yeah. 
And um, but that's just the story of my life. So I feel like if you do like a course like that, you sort of get a really good solid basic knowledge and then you can go off and, and expand. And I think without that knowledge, it can be really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the issue in the MFA was like, you have to go, like when we got in, it was like, you don't need to do know anything. Like right. it's all great. And then you have to do everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. But I also think a lot of that was self-driven by us too. Probably, and we all kind of we encouraged each other to aim yeah. higher. Did you, you could have <laughs> did we? <laughs> well, yeah, I think. I don't we know. Did. We had dreams. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got depressed. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what a trajectory we went through. <laughs> it's like uh, the flight of the Concorde. It's a story about two whatever that started at the bottom and they worked really hard and they ended up at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I often thought about that during the MFA. Yeah. Well, I remember I said I said to uh, to Chris Dobrian, who was my my thesis advisor, uh, that I thought that all the music I'd written was kind of bad. <laughs> what he did said, he say? He said that's that's great. That's perfect. That's kind of what you want. Okay. Why? Uh, because it means that you're using the time to experiment, and you're not mm. you're not focusing on how good the music is, you're focusing mm-hmm. on the experiment itself. Yeah, and I think like having that space to experiment is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't get that outside, um, outside of academia because, well, because you don't have time, because you're working, because you're right. doing like other stuff. But when you're like in this artificial, mm-hmm. whatever, you have two years, go explore. Right. And you, and you get paid to do yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, it is, but like it's. Oh, I guess you have retreats, right? Um, yeah. Outside of that, but it, yeah, I think it's invaluable. Like it's such a cool mm-hmm. thing to have done. I don't know, but yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. Well, I feel I feel like you have you have both both sides of it really really strongly because you've also worked in uh gigging in commercial spaces with music as well as the academic world so do you Mm. do you feel like you have a strong relationship to both of them still i think it sounds arrogant to say like yeah i feel like the um the professional stuff is still there having Mm. not done it for a while but um now that like i'm applying to do a PhD and I have had to contact my like old bosses and say hey I need your help it has actually been really humbling to get the response Mm. from them and be like yeah we do remember you and yeah like we're willing to write these letters of support so maybe if I was going to pursue a career like go back Mm -hmm. to that world maybe it would still be there I don't know it's it is very you know (laughs) It's kind of tricky, especially like the work that I did back in Sydney, which was a lot of like film and TV. Some of that really requires you to be like young and attractive. And um, yes, you have to play, Mm -hmm. but you also, you know, you get put further, further back, (laughs) (laughs) like away from the the screen, you know, which is fine too, whatever. You get paid the same amount. yeah, but then like the music theater world, uh, when I left Sydney, mm-hmm. I had just started doing like the professional work right. and um, it took a really long time, you know, to get there. 
because there's so many violinists, there's so many amazing violinists yeah. and you know, having lessons with the right people and networking. And then I left and I, then I saw my friends getting that same work. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if I was going to pursue that again, it would be hard. Like, mm. even though I know those people, but like, you know, I've been away for eight years. Right. Um, so I don't know. I guess on one hand, there is that relationship because I've done it and I know what it feels like to play at that level. Mm -hmm. But it would be a lot of work to try and get back into the books. And also sure. the contractors have changed and, you yeah. know, it's a really fast paced. Like the rules are probably all different. Yeah. Um, but the academia world, Again, like I had a break, but I feel like I'm really drawn to it. Mm -hmm. um, that just that space of the creative space where you you're surrounded by that energy, like the cohort, and um, seeing your professors, like what they do, um, having the you know guests come in, and it's kind of like time sort of stands still because you don't have to worry about like the fun the funding's mm -hmm. there, right? Ideally, so you're just there to create. And uh, there's something really amazing about that. You don't have to worry about the next contract, the next gig, the next whatever. Right, right. Know? So, yeah. I feel like they're yeah. both very energetic spaces in different ways. Yeah. Because I feel like having to worry about the next contract pushes musicians to be very good, but in very particular ways. It's definitely a skill. Right. And then... Yeah the the energy of uh, a collaborative space that's really supportive in terms of funding and then hopefully also in terms of the social aspect uh, pushes you to sort of be your best self in terms of creativity mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, and seeing, well, I guess it's the same in both worlds, right, where you see, like, if you're in a really good orchestral section, like if everybody plays really well, it pushes you. And then if you have a really good cohort, like everybody's working really hard, it pushes you. Even if you're like the worst, it's still, <laughs> like it's still really good. Like, cause you, you're aiming yep. higher, right? I'd, yeah. I think it can be good to be, well, it can be good for you to be near the bottom mm -hmm. of uh, a group of really good musicians. Cause that'll help you get better. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of, of being sort of the best musician. In, I doubt it. Uh, you know, if, if, if you go and play at, at a community orchestra or something like that, it, it yeah. it's very difficult to play your best in situations like that. No, for sure. Actually, that's true. And you, like, you kind of go, you know, I'm, I'm better than this. <laughs> but, but then it does, nothing works, right? You try... Right. You try to play really well and you're just like, you suck, like your sound is right. bad and you're making mistakes and you're like, what, I'm a professional. <laughs> and you're like, did you understand? Not yeah, not today, you know, today you all of yeah. us. So yeah, no, I, that's true. I do remember those experiences. Um, I'm just going to turn my sound a little bit. I feel like it's feeding back a little bit. Oh. So I'm hearing a little is it okay for you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm not hearing it. Oh, you'll hear it when you, okay, <laughs> when you get there. <laughs> what was you thinking? Yeah. Okay, I think cool. it's better now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what about the, the creativity aspect? Because a lot of your work has focused on improvisation. And uh, I, I, 
I'm always thinking about what what improvisation is and what its function is in music versus pre-written and what that even means. Because I don't really see a strong distinction between composition and improvisation. Mm. Um, but then, like, at a very, like, philosophical level, I see improvisation as sort of an exploration of consciousness itself. Um, so especially when you're tying that into electronics or visuals or just any computer element, where do you see creativity fitting in? Into like a um, audiovisual space specifically. Mm -hmm. So let's say your own creativity or an interactive system, which is sort of offloading some of the creativity to an algorithm or something like that. Um, I think that's actually really difficult because I always start mm -hmm. off thinking this is, you know, you have your end goal, right? Like this is the piece that I want to create. And then um, like there's that naive approach of like, it's going to be great. Like it's going to be <laughs> so expressive and whatever. Um, so like there's two things that are really difficult. One, I think with me, like I always start off with like a feeling or whatever, mm -hmm. a theme. But then in the process of creating and then, you know, with especially with technology, like all the mundane, like the f f half the time it doesn't work, you know, and like just trying to remember how to use the program that you're using and all mm -hmm. that stuff, the frustration. It's like I don't even remember what the feeling was to begin right. with. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then, yeah, just the, like tr trying to be methodical about it and going like, okay, well, this is, I know what I want, but then you get lost, like something, you have the, the bigger structure, but then there's all these little things, right, that you have to figure out, like, um, for example, if you want to make a bird fly, it's not that simple, right? Like on paper, right. you figure it out and it's like, it should work, but then like, yeah, you, like you said, the algorithms and you have to figure all this stuff out. So the process doesn't feel creative at all. The process feels right. very uh, dry. Um, but I think where I feel like it is creative is when you kind of get like halfway done and you see a little bit of what could be mm -hmm. and then also getting feedback. Like if I show it to someone, like I try to share things with family. Mm -hmm. um, you, I mean, I share things with you a lot mm -hmm. and just getting feedback and encouragement. I feel like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's, it's kind of there. Like it's a, it's a little baby, <laughs> you know, it's right. fragile. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the, if you get a chance to perform your work somewhere um, and getting that feedback or collaborating with other people, then it's like, I think that's what the creativity yep. really flourishes. Even if it's bad feedback, whatever, if somebody hates it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> At least like having the complete work mm -hmm. um, and building a portfolio of works. Like when I look back, like trying to build my, um, website mm -hmm. and just looking back at things like oh yeah I did that that was really cool like it was not that the work was cool but like it's cool that I did that yeah um, the work was probably cool well you know like it's hard when it's your like you, you see everything that didn't happen right right so that makes it hard. I feel like this is really feeding back maybe when I pulled on it I don't hear any feedback I hear the, an echo an echo yeah. Do you have monitoring on? Monitoring? In, in Logic? Do you have the input monitor on? The eye? Mm. If you turn that off, you maybe won't hear it. Oh, okay. 
Okay. No, it's okay. okay. I can deal with it. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry. I just don't want to like ruin your podcast. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> I can't hear it. So. Okay, that's cool. We'll we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and if the if the logic doesn't work, the Zoom You've is always a backup. Zoom. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. This isn't my equipment. No, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where were we? It was well, good. We we're talking creativity and and technology. Yeah, and this is part of it, right? Things not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially oh, man. with violin, the feedback. Like when you're first trying to use a pickup and an amp, and like the the constant like the amp placement is never in the right spot. Like you can't hear yourself or your feedback or like and people are like, you're too loud. <laughs> like what? How is that even possible? <laughs> Especially with the, 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 those sensitive mics. Yeah. The ones that like clip on bridges and stuff. Well, the pickup that I have now actually has a really low signal. Mm -hmm. And so then you turn it up and then it starts like I had a, the amp that I use, I think is a little bit broken. And so like a particular frequency would like make it go. Oh. <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> that sounds kind of neat. Yeah, it depends on the context, not during like a wedding. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so getting back to what you were talking about before, about sharing your sharing your work with friends and family and things like that. Mm -hmm. it's it's something that i struggle with with um computer music specifically is sometimes i wonder who it's for yeah. because i see music at its root as being about connections between people i guess because i'm a person so maybe mm -hmm. connections between birds and plants too but <laughs> i don't know sure. how to connect with them so um but yeah be about connections between people so i have this thing where i sort of I, I think it's neat when computers make music, but I also sort of don't care. Okay. Because I'm not a computer. And I'm, I'm very interested in the, the person aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, and things like making, making programs, like what you're saying about how it can get to the point where it feels very not creative. Also, a performance can feel like you're sort of stuck trying to cater to the technology rather than connecting with either the other musicians on stage or the audience or both or something like that. Which to me is the most powerful musical situation when I'm connecting with other musicians and then and an audience all together and sort of it's this sort of shared ex musical experience. Yeah. Um, but I like the technology. And so it's how do you get it to not sap uh, or, or suck the, the connection aspect out of it? How do you bring the technology into the connection? Well, isn't it the same as when you're learning to play an instrument? Like you're worried right. about the technique, mm -hmm. and so then you're not really worrying about the music. Like you're always thinking yep. about something, and then you get to a stage where you feel comfortable enough that it mm -hmm. you do learn how to connect. And I feel like that's the, the space where I start getting bored, and then I need to find something else. And I think with mm -hmm. technology, you do worry so much like about it working yeah about like the physicality of it like do, what you know if you're using a foot pedal like pressing that at the right time or yeah. like yes if you're using a laptop or whatever just i think that the pressure of things working yeah really takes away from the creativity um but i think you have to just accept that that's the reality of it and the audiences that come to listen to uh, an experimental 
<laughs> yeah, electronic concert have probably been to one before, or if they haven't, mm -hmm. that's the reality of it. And I think like if you take the pressure off yourself, that you've tested enough, that mm -hmm. you think it should work, yeah. Um, then you probably the more you do it, mm -hmm. the the easier it gets. But yeah, I think you can't be naive about it. Things might go wrong. That's a reality. So you do have to take that into account. It has to be part of the creative process, right? You have to test. And that's where mm -hmm. you share with family and friends, you know, and get feedback. And um, that's the initial stage. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's like that with anything. The more you do it, mm -hmm. the more comfortable you get, the more experience you get, the more it, it becomes about connecting rather than worrying about this thing that you're doing. Right. That you think is cool, but no one else might care uh -huh. about. Or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Like you might think it's not anything special, but somebody might really connect with it. I think if you think it's cool, honestly, I feel like that is also can be kind of contagious. You have to really think it's cool. I think I think, like it, it I think it's a little like... bit like a good a good stand up comedian. They have they have to believe <laughs> that what they're saying is funny because if they don't think yeah. it's funny, they're that they haven't even gotten off square one. They have to at least think it's funny before but, you think it's funny. For sure, isn't that like the. Um, whether every like teacher tells you that if you go on stage and you don't like you, then right. how do you expect other people right, to like course. you? Like you, you need to believe in yourself if you can't convince right. yourself. But I don't know. It can be really hard to. I feel like sometimes convincing myself is the hardest. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like my f friends and family have so much more um, faith in me, and I have so much more faith in them, and like having mm. faith in yourself or being your advocate is really difficult it is and um, yeah so what what do you enjoy about about your work about the technology or your playing um i actually really enjoy the physicality of like uh -huh. sitting in front of my computer and programming Mm -hmm. And um, the physicality of it, that's, that's like pretty fascinating. You know, I can be on the sofa and like be typing or whatever. It's just so different to um, playing an instrument. Like just the whole process is so different preparing like a work that involves technology, uh -huh. um, especially like if it's just a, like an audiovisual installation where there's no playing, like it's all mm -hmm. kind of pre-recorded. Like I can right. record myself um, playing, but then on the day you don't, you don't have to worry about that, like, it's just there. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that process, even though sometimes it gets really frustrating when I'm really stuck and, you know, you're like trying to Google how things work and you're like, yep. this is just, ridiculous. I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> like, um, but I, yeah, I also just enjoy the, um, when things work and like when you discover new ways of doing things, it's just an extension of, um, your composition or your improvisation right or, you know i mean it is musical like i, I think mm -hmm. it i guess it depends what you're trying to do i mean i try to do a very specific thing um like i mean a lot of the computer music that i've heard i didn't really like yeah it's it's not like i'm really part of that world of like uh i don't have like the hardware at home, I right, don't right. muck around with that. Like it's not, I don't know. I just have what I like mm -hmm. and I explore what I like and it's a specific thing that works for me. 
So I like working with uh, Jira in Max mm -hmm. and, and the way that Jira talks to Max. So it's just a platform that I started off with and I know yep. a little bit about. Um, but again, like it's not like I have really, really deep knowledge of Jira. I know what works for me. Right. Um, and the effects that I like to use. And I think like learning more about those. Um, and I like the, being able to have technology interact with my music. Like, mm -hmm. or not interact, maybe that's, I don't know, that's like a controversial word, but react. I think it's only I controversial guess. with me. I think I'm just annoying about it. I don't know, because <laughs> I mean, there have been essays like, you know, written about it, what is interactivity and reactivity and... It's all, uh, that's academia. Right? It's, a, it's a really hard question, though. Well, it's not really interacting, is it? Because it doesn't have a conscience. So it's, right. it's reacting in a way that you've programmed it to react right. to a specific thing that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives the illusion of interactivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But who but, cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> well, it, it, what's interesting, though, is, is how you, you talk about using jitter and not being so interested in in all these little bits of hardware and things like that it, it seems like what you're aiming for is some kind of extension of your own creativity oh um, for sure and it, it's, it's yeah. like a little bit of um what you sent me the other day talking about virtuosity <laughs> i think it's an interesting idea because there's also a little bit of controversy about it as an idea in academia virtuosity um, or I think so. Well, because you sort of have the punk mentality that's anti-virtuosity. Mm -hmm. And that virtuosity is sort of this elitist ideal or something like that. And academia isn't? It definitely is. But, <laughs> <laughs> but as an idea, the, the, the anti-virtuosity sort of movement exists, I think. And I think it's also, not with computer music and electronic music, not that it is specifically anti-virtuosity, but I think there's a tendency to keep making new neat things without yeah. developing any, any uh, virtuosic tendencies or techniques on how to use the old things. And so you just keep coming up with new ideas without ever having really reckoned with or grappled with what the purpose of the old ideas even was. I think that's a real problem. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think you see that in like the NIME conferences, not to... Right. I mean, they're, they're great. Uh -oh. like, people, I know. <laughs> no, um, I, I agree. But I think you do need to spend time with what you create mm -hmm. to develop it and to learn how to use it. I mean, it's the same as an instrument. Right. It's your instrument that you... I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be a nine, but like even a, a technology that you're working with, like if it's a patch, mm -hmm. I guess it's that quite like... My thesis chair used to always ask me, um, why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to do this. And he's like, why? Like, well, because I think it's cool. I guess it brings me joy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but then like it doesn't work or like it works very little and it's just a fraction of what you wanted. Right. But that's like, I mean, I guess when you're doing a thesis, you only have a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, if you want it to be good, right, you have to keep working on it and you, you have to develop it. And if you keep doing little tiny little things here and there, like, oh, 
I'm going to build an interface, I'm going to build this, I'm going to do that. Like none of it is going to be really that interesting to you or to other people. Right. Well, I guess you haven't mm-hmm. invested uh, enough of your own. You don't have enough emotional buy-in. Mm-hmm. But like you have been playing violin since you were a little kid, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have a lifetime of emotional buy-in to the instrument. So you have a relationship to it and playing it. And so it's interesting the exploration of trying to expand that, um, you know, through jitter or whatever to, it feels very creative and imaginative to take something that you have a strong, you have a lifetime of a relationship with and see how far you can push that relationship. Yeah. I think for me, it's, um, you know, what are the career options? Like I love, working like that was really fun mm-hmm. um but you're still doing other people's things like whether it's music theater whether you're a soloist right like you're playing i mean you can commission people to write works mm-hmm. for you but it's still like that idea of being a side man or like just being an interpreter of someone else's works which can be fun mm-hmm. But I think I wanted to be more than that. Like, I remember like gigging and thinking, oh, it's cool that like I'm playing with this person. But then I'm like, but I want to be that person. Like, yeah. I want to be at the center of that. And I want people to play like my stuff. Mm-hmm. Or I'll just do it on my own. Like being, then I can have this technology to, to yeah. be my side man. Um, and I think with violin, like I've had a really complicated relationship with it. You know, there's been a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. and. But yeah, like I do feel like it's an extension to me. There's been like pain and suffering and joy, mm-hmm. and it's all like I've been with this particular inst- like this instrument for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like the technology and ex- and building on that is just like the next step for me because there's nothing else that I really want to do. Like when I think about it. I don't really want to do orchestral stuff. I don't really want to do um, straight ahead jazz. Like Mm -hmm. I've tried all those things and I never really quite fit. Like they never really felt good. Mm -hmm. I always felt like I was um, trying to be something I'm not. And with technology too, there's that that feeling of like, oh, I'm starting at the beginning again. Um, (sighs) But I feel like if I spend the rest of my life investing in it, it will get better. And I think it's definitely the direction that I see myself heading with mm-hmm. creativity and music and whatever life is. So I think it's that. Like, I, yes, I do feel like the violin is my instrument. Mm-hmm. I had doubt. Like, there was definitely doubts where I, like, I, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to do music anymore. I was like, maybe I should just do a computer science degree and see with that like just i don't know um it was just things weren't working but it, right. then when i come back to it now i think just having that feeling of like well i'm not a student anymore so i don't really care like what people say mm-hmm. i don't have to have validation um i've played it for long enough that i know how to play it right um and it's about just like uh f- how do i want to sound and i know how to do it Mm-hmm. I just you know obviously this practice involved, but also like having taught violin for so many years, like what would I say if somebody was having this problem? Uh-huh. I'm like I know how to fix this. 
and but there's, there's still that little child in me going, oh, but you need a teacher, or like you need to, <laughs> what if somebody, da, da, da. And like no, it's just the life's too short. You just need to go for it, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I've reached a point where I just don't care, right? And I want to do my thing, and that's great. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like what else is there to do? You know. I think it's tough with violin. Uh, I think guitar and violin have it, the the histories of those instruments change mm -hmm. even the relationship to pedagogy because there's such a history in guitar of guitar players who don't, you know, don't know how to read music, don't know how to do anything. And so half of my conversations with students are arguing with them about the benefits of having any idea what they're doing. Right. <laughs> and they just want to play the three chords so that they could. Right, and they don't oh, want to know what the chords are. They don't want to hear it. <laughs> so. And like the belief that learning about what they're doing is going to sort of ruin what they're doing or something. Oh, like they want that. to keep it natural. Right. Quote. Kind of like vocal students. Yeah, right. Yes. But a viol violin is interesting because um, it has such a history of pedagogy mm -hmm. and. You know, it is the orchestra in a sense. My uh, my composition teacher from undergrad um, used to in orchestration classes. He had this whole story of what the orchestra is, mm -hmm. and he says, first and foremost, the orchestra is the strings. Period. Okay. That's it. And it's the violins and the cellos, and those other instruments. Not the violas. Are, no. <laughs> God no. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then like. After a while, the music was so sweet that the the horn players came down from the hills after herding their goats and said, hey, can we play with you guys? Wow. And this whole thing of like where these other instruments came from. Mm -hmm. But it is the strings. That is it. That is the orchestra. Well, I mean, I guess there's so many of them, like the ratio of the strings. Right. <laughs> yeah, they'd win in a fight. <laughs> right. Yeah. But... But there's that, and so the violin is sort of like the epitome of classical music, probably the violin and the piano. Um, yep. And so then you started there and then moved into jazz, and I feel like violin is a very, I, I don't know if this is a, an offensive statement, a very peripheral instrument to jazz. Oh, 100%. And you have to play like a specific way if you want right. to fit in. Right, because hmm. then you have to know the history of jazz violin. And again, that never really interested me. Like, they were, mm -hmm. I would listen to jazz violin and I'd be like, I just don't like this. Yeah. Like, I don't like the way, like, why do you have to play like that? I mean, obviously, there's the, the gypsy jazz tradition, right. right? And then, like, the people I would play with, like, the, the jazz violinist, not all of them, but a lot of them would be like, listen, <laughs> this is how it's played. Like, don't hmm. try to be Coltrane. You know, uh -huh. okay. the, like whatever you can try, but you'll fail. Like this is how you <laughs> play jazz violin. And these are the licks. This is... And it was the case, it's just that same approach. Like, look, it's already, there's the school of playing. Right. And this is how you do it. Um, and it's just like, oh man, like that's not how I feel. And I can't even right. do it that well. And so I felt like I went from suffering in classical music to suffering in jazz music. It was just like, and then I thought, well, that's just what it is. You have to, it can't, you can't enjoy yourself, hmm. you know. That's crazy um, to, to think of a statement in, in, in jazz <laughs> saying, don't try. Because to me, jazz is trying. Like, no, try, but 
but try to think about things specifically. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I feel like, the, like with Coltrane specifically, the the story is that he's like reaching to higher heights and all this, and it's like, no, 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 no. Well, the ceiling is already there, so. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's been dark. <laughs> but then, like you know, you I listen to violently. I mean, Jean Luc Ponty was always mm. really supportive, and I really like his playing. You know, I feel like he even from the young age, like. His album that he released when he was 16, it was so different. His sound was really different. It was unique to him. Um, but again, he was super virtuosic. Like he knew mm -hmm. how to play the instrument. That was never a question. And I think from the classical background, um, it's always like, oh, jazz violin. Like it's just, you know, if you can't play classical music, like you go into the modern stuff. <laughs> uh, right. Whereas I feel like with violinists, like he more like the. Um, other cultures, you know, like Indian violinists, like they're, they're so virtuosic. I mean, right. it's crazy. Like they can get around their instrument so well. Um, so I think that really attracted me, like listening to violinists who were really virtuosic and had their own style. Uh -huh. It wasn't the um, Stefan Grappelli, right. whatever. Not, I mean, he was, he's a great violinist too. It's just that his music doesn't speak to me. Right. Um, it's interesting because I think I feel like you're really good at that kind of music. Like the gypsy jazz? Yeah. Ha ha ha. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 maybe, I, I don't know. I think like 50 jazz violinists, like gypsy jazz violinists just like rolled in their grave. That's, like, that's <laughs> good. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Not her. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think if, if I am good at it, it's probably because it lends itself to the instrument so well. Sure. So I feel, you know, when you're starting out or you like you want to play violin, like improvised violin, you sort of just go, okay, well, that's the sound that you hear and it mm -hmm. probably is very natural to play that way. And playing it, I think when I think of, well, how do I want to play and I try to play that way and it doesn't work. And it's hard work. And I think that's where composition comes in. Right. I'm much better when I, like that's how I learned to play gypsy, like with the Russian gypsy band that we mm -hmm. had. I couldn't improvise at the time. Like I was just sitting outside to mm. write out all my solos. Um, and that helped so much. Like just, even though it was the same thing every time, eventually mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, eventually you learn to play in yeah. that style. Mm -hmm. But even like in jazz, like if you sketch out a solo, mm -hmm. I feel like it helps so much, but then I would be like embarrassed to do it. Be like, no, 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 it has to be like, mm. it has to come from within. And then yeah. now I was like, no, this is, that's just how it works for me. Yeah. So I, I have to know beforehand. Like I don't know the. It's been so long since I played jazz standards. Like at the when I was doing the jazz degree, you know, it's you have mm -hmm. a set. Like this is the first G set list. This is the second year set list, and you you know you learn those songs and you know them really well and you listen to them. But they, uh, I, I don't remember them. Like even now, when I think of like autumn leaves, it's like oh, yeah, I don't. I don't I, I remember it, but like, yeah. I really remember, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's just not, it's not my life. Yep. So it's kind of embarrassing, but like, well, whatever, you know, I did it. Yep. And uh, now I'm somewhere else. Right. So, so I think if I was going to go and uh, do a jam session or something, it, I would have to have the real book in front of me 100%. Right. And then it'd be like, Boo! <laughs> to have them all <laughs> memorized. What's wrong with you? Yeah. What's so. wrong? <laughs> I don't know. It is interesting. The 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 kind of 
man behind the curtain idea. I think that there are a lot of ideas about what people should and shouldn't be doing and then I, yes. what they're actually doing. And, and I think... He's the gatekeeper, right? Like, yep. He's keeping track of what should and shouldn't be done. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but I, uh, Chris, Chris Dobrian, again, just to remind... <laughs> two, two <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like he was he was very honest about the fact that most things that are called interactive music, I mean, it really is a bit of a hand-waving thing, and it mm -hmm. has more to do with tricking an audience into thinking that something is happening. And uh, it, it kind of got me on this whole idea of music and magic, like mm -hmm. ma magician, magic performers, as sure. being similar in some ways. Yeah, and uh, I love that idea of like music and technology being magical. Yeah. Well, and I think the experience. Oh, sorry. No, you go. I think as as a performer, I've been thinking about this idea of sort of quote casting a spell. And and when it's working, there there is sort of a spell being cast. There's kind of uh you know, like a, a trance or something like that mm -hmm. happening between yourself and whoever's listening to you or yourself and whoever you're playing with. It's this kind of strange connection that's happening where you're thinking together and you're feeling together, but nobody's really saying anything to each other. Yeah. But I don't think it can happen when you're, like, when you're worrying about other things. I think you have to be at a level, yeah. again, like a virtuosity or, yep. or proficiency mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. least, right? Yeah. Where you can just feel things, right? Yep. I don't know. I mean, when I play mandolin... Um, I definitely have to think about everything. Like, um, I cannot just play it. Like, mm -hmm. it's such hard work because, you know, yep. it's my second instrument. Really well. um, so I don't, f unless I'm just, you know, <laughs> I don't care. Like, well, it's free improv. <laughs> not that you don't care about free improv, but, like, I'm not thinking about music. But the gigs yep. that I've done, I meant them have been, like, such hard work. And there's never, like... Me too. Oh, I hate, I hate when a book calls for mandolin. It's like, oh, well, no. Well, for it's worse because it's backwards. <laughs> I mean, I guess for me it's just hard because um, my right hand is not used to using a pick, but right, um, and other things. But yeah, it's hard. It's like when I when I'm thinking that hard, I'm not feeling. I'm yeah. just thinking. Yeah. Cool. So. So what's 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 next for you? What do you got? Um, Coming up projects or anything. Well, I mean, there's a lot happening mm -hmm. in uh, like in my personal life because right. you know, we're about to my family. We're about to move back to Australia, mm -hmm. so it's a big move. There's a lot of logistical things involved, and I, I mean, you know, when that happens, it's hard to be in a creative space. Right. Um, I've also been putting an application together for a PhD program mm -hmm. in Sydney, and that's actually that's been really good in terms of like it's it's stressful, and on on one hand, it's not creative because you're writing like this you know you're not I'm not writing music I'm writing right. an application but yep. on the other hand it's actually been really good because it made me think about what I want to mm -hmm. do and come up like the way the Australian program works is you have to put in a, a proposal for a project that you want to come out of the program with so you right. know, like you what and you put a timeline in and you say I'm going to do this and this and this and this is going to be the final project so you mm -hmm. have to have an idea of what you want to do before you start the degree um, and so that's been really good because it made me feel like, okay, well, even if I don't get into the program, this is still what I want to pursue. 
And this is definitely what I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have gigs coming up right now, I don't, mm-hmm. because we only have a few months left right, right. in the US, in Atlanta. Um, and we've been busy doing adult stuff. Like, <laughs> you know. I don't know, selling our house and boring things. Um, but I have been trying to do like online courses to mm-hmm. keep up, um, you know, just to to do some kind of creative thing. And I have an Arduino kit that I'm gonna crack open tomorrow. Cool. So that will be fun. Um, yeah. So I think just little things for me that I've been doing while I'm, you know being a mom mm-hmm. and whatever. I say whatever a lot. Um, yeah, so I think when we move back, it will be clearer mm-hmm. what I want to do with my, whether I get into the degree or not. Um, and also being just on the home turf. Right, right. Will make things easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the last few years have been a little bit limbo-y. Yeah, um, probably for and, many reasons. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that one big reason. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So I can't really be like, look at that camera. This is what I have happening. I don't. There's nothing on the calendar other than just trying to be creative, you know. Yeah. In my own time, and making sure that when the kids are at school, I'm doing things that are mm-hmm. like fulfilling, and maybe when I, you know, when we move, I can look in festi- into festivals and conferences yep. and things and look forward, but I feel like the next few months are a little bit like just... Well, an international move is crazy. <laughs> it's a lot. You know, it was much easier eight years ago because <laughs> we were, I think because Richard, oh, my husband, um, because he was going into the program. Right. So we knew what was happening like right now we're kind of like nothing's definite and i think that makes it hard Mm -hmm. because you start something and then you're like well what what am i doing with this yep um yeah but i think having not having um having things in the air makes it a little bit tricky yep but then you sort of have to make the best of it anyway Mm -hmm. i mean i think not being tied to academia makes it also tricky because you can do these one-off things you get into a mm-hmm. conference or a festival or a paper but it they feel sort of like these islands that aren't really connected through something cohesive in the same way as you know i'm working towards a phd and here's a paper yeah. and here's a paper and it all coalesces into this one thing yeah for sure and, th- and then i think in that situation you end up um, going back to the old routine of like, okay, well, maybe I should try and play, you know, regular gigs and maybe I right. should teach or maybe I should do things that are like, I'm not in academia, so these are the logical things. And I think it's hard to be like, no, 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 because then yep. just sort of sex yep. weird. Yep. And then <laughs> it's like, why am I doing this? this everything's like, a trap. You know, <laughs> yeah. you only get one shot at life, so... Um, yeah, I think it's important to really focus on what you love, yep. if you can. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I'm lucky in terms of having a really good support system that mm-hmm. allows me to do that. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to play something? Yeah. 
Um, so I'm going to take my headphones off. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go and grab my banjo. All right. Should try something? Yeah. All right.
All right. It was fun to play. Yeah, it was. Well, <laughs> even though we were rudely <laughs> uh, Zoom. Anyway. Anyway, well, thanks. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Where should people go to find find your stuff? I have a website, um, anasavory.com. And it has, I think, most of what I've done. I've lost some stuff along the way, but mm. it has a lot. Okay, cool. And well, I'm going to try and keep posting things. Sweet. Well, I'll link to that. And then, and do you have a YouTube or anything else? Or it's mostly just the website you want? The website to? has all the YouTube stuff on it. Cool. All right. Well, I'll link to Thanks, Anna, for talking with me today. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. Thanks for watching or listening. Remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page. Also, be sure to check out Anna Savory. Her website is linked below where you can check out a lot of her music and performances, compositions, all sorts of cool stuff. All right. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.